We take a look back at the season, dissect what went right, dissect what went wrong, all with Nick Carboni joining us today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. If you are not joining us on YouTube, then you are missing a fantastic picture of our guest, Nick Carboni, today. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Nick Carboni, WCNC. There is a picture of Nick on YouTube right now giving a seductive look towards the left of the camera, holding the phone to his face on the call looks like an agent and he it's glorious very early in his career. Nick, can you explain what that picture is from? First of all, amazing sleuth work by our guy, Doug Branson, when he said he was just going to quote, find a picture of me. That's not what I expected, but nice. yeah, I was working in Knoxville and I was like, I was, it wasn't live. I was taping morning sports when somebody called me. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I, I mean, it was alive, but I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I picked the pick up, pick up, picked up the phone right in the middle of taping something. And uh, I guess I thought it was funny. I don't know if anybody else did. They were probably like, can we just finish this taping and go home? Uh, But yeah, there's, there's, there's that picture. And that was, I was not, I was not willing to pay for uh, haircuts a lot. Then there's a lot of hair. There's it's, too much up there did you it's demand that in your cot in your contract yeah. with uh, yeah. cnc like you gotta get me you gotta get me they haven't paid week. for a haircut yet i'm getting one today but maybe i can uh maybe <laughs> i'll start in, maybe i'll start invoicing them yeah <laughs> that's a good idea i don't like i don't mind that i'm hair. just it's glad so i had an iphone because i went flip phone for a long time guys what flip phone early in my time. career oh man just a small verizon one like like a breaking bad burner phone basically <laughs> <laughs> for your side hustle. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was actually a drug call that you had yeah. <laughs> a bony burner. Yeah. There that's you go. Right. Yeah. The bony burner phone. Um, all right. Well, that's Nick Carboni doing some side hustle stuff, including with us here on the lockdown Hornets podcast today, we're going to dissect what went right and what rent went wrong. Now we try to do the whole good news, bad news thing. Like, do we want to go with the bad news first on what happened? Or I think so because it's the okay. most obvious and it's like oh, okay. af- right. after James Borrego's <laughs> or, uh, you know, during James Borrego's postseason news conference, that was like the first 10 questions was about the defense and guys, that's what went wrong was that, the defense. They were the worst defense or close to it in the league for a healthy part of the season. Yes. They climbed up the ladder and defensive rating a little bit uh, to what 22, but there wasn't enough consistency, certainly, and it certainly didn't show up when they needed the most at Atlanta for that playing game. So defense went wrong. It went way wrong, and they're going to have to do a lot to fix that for next season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. By the way, Nick if, and Doug, if we're going to put a picture up of Nick like that, then we'll just allow him to change the crawl at the bottom and just have to figure, like, we're just going to have to adapt on the fly with what Nick wants to talk about. Um, it, that's pretty clearly number one, right? I mean, the defense, as far as the overall thing that, 
that held back the Charlotte Hornets from reaching any kind of peak success. It had to be the defense. And some of this is because of Mitch Kupchak not addressing personnel the right way. There's no doubt. Some of this can fall on James Borrego for not getting his guys up to play and maybe not having a buy-in on the defensive end, which a lot of that is makes up how you are successful as an NBA coach. But some of it is on the players too, just not buying in at some point. These guys, not even just not buying in, but not giving the effort, like paying attention to detail, not rotating the right way. Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier can't continue to come out after every single game and say, we need to bring it 48 minutes every single quarter and then not do it. And then come out the very next game and say, look, we keep mentioning it. I don't know why we're not doing it, but it's just not happening. I mean, that's, that was the maddening part. It's the fact that you could go on these stretches of good defense. And then it seemed like they just wouldn't do the small things in a half quarter, get back in transition. And that would have all of that improvement unravel. Yeah. And it's because, I mean, as a team, they really felt firm in their identity offensively. They had over, over the course of a few seasons developed into a, a real kind of Houston Rockets-ian offense of we're going to shoot a lot of threes, we're going to get to the rim pretty consistently, we're going to cut out the long twos, we're going to try to get to the line. And now that the evolution of this season was we're actually going to be a functioning high pace team and consistently. And so they accomplished all that and they really established an identity and an offense that was really hard to guard. They just never really bought into, okay, what are we going to be defensively? And some of that was structural, but we we saw this team with the ability to guard for stretches this season. So it wasn't impossible. It yeah. was just going to be very difficult. It was going to be a huge challenge, and they didn't step up to the challenge uh, throughout most of the season. Continuing the what went wrong discussion, I think Gordon Hayward is one of those things. You know, in the mm -hmm. first half, Gordon Hayward really was a big part. We talked about how impactful he was when he was on the court. And even just the Hornets trying to navigate through, you know, some of the minutes where he just wasn't going to help you in the half court. Like he, he could do a couple of the different things that you needed him to do and then only plays 45 games. It turns into a disaster once again, the second year in a row where it's turned into a disaster. Nick, it feels like they're going to have to explore all of their options to try to get rid of Gordon Hayward via trade, to free up some cap space, because you have to imagine Miles Bridges is going to come back um, in restricted free agency. Yeah, it's tough because it's kind of like what the Panthers are dealing with, with Christian McCaffrey is it's like, well, when he's healthy, he really helps us. And Gordon Hayward, I think, does that too. But the problem is you just clearly cannot count on him to be healthy because not only does he go down with a nasty looking sprained ankle, well, then he comes back from it and it kind of causes something else. So, you know, you cannot go into any season counting on that happening. If they somehow find a way to move him and, you know, somebody else is eating some of that contract, whatever. And if he stays healthy for a full season with somebody else, you know what? Cool. He's not going to be an all-star. It's not like you're going to be missing out on that type of player. So I think there has to be a lot of conversation over there about how to try and move him, what kind of the, the compromise is going to be contractually. It sounds like, I, I mean, we know that Indiana was interested for a long time in yeah. acquiring Gordon Hayward. Does that happen? I know there's the thing out there with Lakers and Westbrook, but, you know, it's really too bad. But I, I do think that you saw the core of this team – kind of move on from him 
uh, mm-hmm. in, in the last stretch, those 22 games that he missed. And then however many after the one game he played, they, they seem like they're ready to, to not, not that they couldn't have used him, but they seem like they're kind of past that at this point. So I think organizationally, organizationally, you have to try to get past, past having him as well. Yeah, they were doing a lot of verbal foxtrotting at the end to say like, we love Gordon. He was, uh, you know, he had a big impact, yeah. but he's not here. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had to they had to figure out what that meant for uh, the team as a whole. And, and it meant that they had a miserable February, not February. Get that R out of here. It's February. Everybody knows it. Um, that has become and, your latest thing. Yes, that is the, I mean, the latest. Get out of here. Like, come on. Venture. So they had, they had a miserable, miserable February, a couple of other things that went wrong this season. I'm just going to run down the list uh, before we get to what went right. So miles bridges, three point percentage dipped pretty significantly yep. down to 33% this season. Kelly Oubre's second half of the season. Uh, talk about miserable. Um, just could not uh, find a groove and stay in it. I mean, we were talking about Kelly Oubre, you know, in the running for six man of the year, but that went away uh, by the second half of the year. James Booknight, the rookie, we didn't see much of him, and yeah. that seemed to frustrate James Booknight and to the point where he almost fought, <laughs> almost fought James Borrego. At least bucked up. At least was ready to go. Like It's not like he was going to fight, <laughs> but he was ready if one was called upon. Uh, finally, trade deadline. I, I mean, they did make some moves that certainly made an impact. The Montrez Herald move made an impact uh, getting IT on the 10-day certainly made an impact, but it didn't make the impact that they absolutely needed to get into the playoffs. Um, so uh, that those are the things that I saw that went wrong. Yeah, and, and real quickly before we move on, you know, it, is that the kind of order you guys see it, though? Is it defense number one? Is yes. it Gordon Hayward problems number two? And yes. then everything else kind of. Um, what about James Borrego stuff? And, and is Mitch Kupchak, he does his damage kind of before, right? Like he either helps or hurts the team before the season starts. And then we can talk about the trade deadline, which is where you might want to go with cup check. But what about Borrego and his role in doing some of these things? Is it just the sense of urgency or lack thereof? I think that not having the team ready to be that intense in certain moments is got to be pointed to coaching, you know, second straight year getting blown out in the play in, you know, it's not the coach's job to, to, play defense all the time throughout the season. He's got to, but he's got to get those guys. Like he said, after the season, curious about playing defense, whatever that is, they needed to be curious about it before. And that's his job. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, it, and it's important to note, Nick, that uh, you didn't hear the players this season complaining about the game plan. No one was, no one's really questioned James Borrego's ability to say here, I've studied the team that we're playing Here's what we need to do to win. Go and execute it. The players never came out and said, "Yeah, we just we weren't in the right positions or anything." It was all about that sense of urgency. But that also goes to James Borrego. He's got to get those players ready to play. I would put actually. I'm going to go back and say number one for me is Mitch Kupchak not getting the team that piece. Is it that just center basically? Saw. Yeah, it was center. Okay. It was a defensive rim protecting center. We all saw that was the need, and and he didn't go out and get it. Yeah. And that was, that was a problem. And this is, you know, Mason, once when we thought Mason Plumlee was coming in, we were good. And then it, it increasingly actually, I don't know. Hold confidence. on now. Hold on. Again, you're doing a lot of work. Well, backup, with the old, we were there. <laughs> we thought, we thought Mason Plumlee oh, okay. was backup center, right? Like that's the thing. Yeah. When they made that move for Mason, nobody thought he was going to be the starter. Right. I yeah. didn't. Right. I, nobody came in and said, Oh, okay. 
we're good in the sense that he is going to get 30 minutes a night for us. Like we right. thought, all right, well, whatever. We get an extra pick from this. We'll eat up Mason's contract. It's not guaranteed the next year. We'll get the and and he'll be a backup. That's that's fine. And then he became the starter, and then nobody was good with it. And the tr- I mean, hell, we've talked about Mason enough. All right, let's get to what went right. Maybe finish up some of the other thoughts about the Charlotte Hornets season on the other side. Have a couple on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and I am 0 for 3. It's unreal. I'm, I'm going to try to figure it out, how to make sure we have that transition correct to that graphic. All right, that, felt, that felt better. I just went with it. I, I stopped waiting on you to say something. I just went with yeah. it, and I felt like I didn't give you the better. space. That's on me. Look. I'm responsible. That's on me. All right, NBA fans. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too, because it's easy to use. You only pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy and it's safe. Also offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. What you can do is you can go to prizepicks.com right now. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. That's it. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Also, got to discuss BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. It's your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, plenty more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Let's talk about the positive stuff on the other side of the break. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were, <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now, all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. As we take a look at the positive stuff, and I try to get used to that picture of Nick Carboni seductively looking at Doug <laughs> on my screen. He's looking at me. Yeah, I know he is. Yeah, watch oh, out. Wait, wrong oh, way. Yeah, watch out. I don't know who he's <laughs> making a phone call to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Screenshot that. I want anybody watching on their phone to screenshot that picture of Doug looking at Nick. Um, what were the positive stuff, Nick? What's the uh, a few of the things you think of at the top when you think, oh, yeah, that is something that worked out for the Hornets this season? I'll start with an individual and talk about LaMelo ball. Uh, you know, you're always worried about that sophomore slump about kind of the, the, the game catching up to him, especially after he, you know, he didn't play college basketball. He came in uh, and had a tremendous rookie year, obviously, but then you, you know, you're worried about what that next step will look like and when that will come. And I thought it came pretty immediately. Uh, in terms of some of the things he was able to do early in the season and then post all-star break when kind of handed the keys a little more, especially in big moments. I thought he did really, really well with it. He just seems to be progressing and trending upwards still, which is great to see. Obviously the play in game kind of, you know, puts a little bit of a damper on that for now, 
he did not play well in that moment, but neither did the the entire team. So I think LaMelo Ball for me is number one, because as he goes, that's how your franchise goes in this quote unquote window of opportunity to make make the playoffs and make noise in the playoffs. I think he's still on the right track and and still going up. Yeah, I mean, number I, number number on. one for me is is Lamelo Ball. Absolutely, I mean, he turned into an all star player and is on his way to becoming a superstar player. His usage went up this season, and it really hasn't peaked. Like, there's more minutes that he can get and more usage that he can get as uh, he progresses with this team. And I know a lot of people are were unhappy with some of his minutes uh, this season, uh, but I think they're due to go up next season points per shot attempt went way up assist percentage went way up all of those metrics that you use to judge an offensive player um he he just skyrocketed in his second year and in terms of like we didn't really talk about Lamelo and the what went wrong but you know he's got some things to clean up defensively he got into too much foul trouble uh but I think the things that he has to clean up are generally easier to clean up than like a broken jump shot or something which his jump shot is not broken um he he went through a little bit of a shooting slump at, at one point this season but he came right out of it and uh he turned into a more clutch player than we saw in year one that's the thing that gets me so excited about Lamelo's career more than any it's it's the fact that that shot not only is fine it's good i i just yeah. can't believe that he's a legitimately really good three-point shooter and nick you mentioned the sophomore slump stuff like i thought about that coming into the season too and it's a good point i was looking up some stats of some of the other stars that we have in our league and maybe a second year that didn't quite go on the escalator. Many people thought John Moran is one, you know, now he kind of, he flirted with an MVP conversation point. He's not there now, but clearly an excellent season yeah. for him. And you look last year, he increased his points per game by almost a couple in his sophomore year, but his percentage points went down inside and outside the arc. You know, that's somebody that maybe didn't have the type of trajectory that he did in his rookie season. And then boom, I mean, just what a phenomenal season. You kind of go to Jason Tatum too. You know, there were some people a little worried about mm -hmm. his trajectory. He increased his points per game as well, but his efficiency went down inside and outside the arc. And it's like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll see if you can get back on that all-star track. That just didn't really happen with LaMelo. You had the one month or maybe it was even shorter than that, where he struggled a little bit. But other than that, to start the season, he was fantastic. To end the season, he was fantastic. So LaMelo avoiding that, getting an all-star nod, deserving that, playing better post-all-star break after he got past that little bit of a struggle. Like, he was he was awesome to end the season. So that's fantastic. And then I would think LaMelo's number one. I would think a pretty close second is the emergence of Miles Bridges. Because as important as it is to have your lead dog, it's number one for sure. But if you're going to look at a team contending in the Eastern Conference playoffs, winning a playoff series and just getting beyond that, you also need that second banana. And Miles Bridges emerging to be that guy, to mm -hmm. at least potentially be that guy, you could argue it's actually a detriment because he's going to get a lot more money and need a lot more of your cap space. That's actually going to work against the Hornets payroll. That sucks. But the fact that miles has that within him, if the three point shot can come along, he's going to be that much more unstoppable. I think miles has to be second. Nick, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree too. And obviously he, he won the bet on miles bridges and yeah, they're did. going to pay for it. And I think they're, they're going to have to, I mean, keeping that core together, like you said, those two players together 
is how they're doing this. They're not doing this by bringing in high price free agents left and right and, and making the moves for the top, top superstars. They're trying to grow their superstars and they've done a good job of growing two of them here at home. Maybe not two yeah. superstars, but one potential superstar and one potential all-star is a really good place to be right now. If you're the Charlotte Hornets and they're both obviously still very, very young. So that is promising. And that is certainly something that when you talk about James Borrego, yes, we talked about how bad the defense was, but in terms of internally developing these players, you've got to give him some credit there and you've got to give these players credit. I mean, miles bridges came out with moves this year that I hadn't even seen flashes of last year. I mean, some of the finishes he made, uh, obviously the three-point shooting needs to be better, but some of the things he did this year, as James Borrego put it to us, caught a lot of people in the building by surprise. And I think Miles Bridges took pride in that, and I can only see him working just as hard, if not harder, to get better under this new contract, whatever it is. Yeah, Nick, you also have to credit Terry Rozier, uh, who is on my list of things uh, that went right this season. He brought everyone together in the offseason and really, I think, helped foster that core and that internal development. I don't know if Terry Rozier is long for this organization because I think he's played well enough that he could be someone mm -hmm. uh, that if you needed a little bit more financial flexibility that is movable because his clutch offense is just off the charts. He's a certified gamer. He got the certificate this year. Uh, I sent it through the mail. Uh, he first said class, it. Post office. <laughs> certified gamer. He So many moments this season, he was the guy – put the ball in his hands and he went and knocked down multiple shots in the fourth quarter to either extend a lead um, and or or get a lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, just loved watching Terry play this season. And I, I think he, you know, whether he's with the organization next season or not, I think he will hold a special place in my heart for bringing this core together. What do you think, Nick? Is Terry something that went right for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. He, you know, he signed a, you know, a, a, fairly healthy contract extension and, and for the most part lived up to it. I think, I mean, I don't think anybody expects Terry to be a perennial all-star, but he's a guy that came in and there were a lot of questions about him since day one. And he's answered them along the way and, and has showed leadership for this team too. And I think he's somebody that I, I see, you know, putting a lot of effort, you know, on both ends of the floor, he might not be the best defender, obviously, but I feel like, uh, he's, he brings the energy to this team just about every night he's on the floor and, and he might be expendable and he might have to go, or he might have to be conversed about in the, in those conversations, but he's done a lot for this franchise, uh, in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, talking about Terry, we can get to this when we do the player capsules and stuff, but you know, him being a leader, him kind of being a friend and leader with these guys, mm -hmm. you know, being someone, when you heard him talk at the end of the season, his exit interview was all about wanting those younger players, his younger brothers, as he called them, trying to get them to the playoffs. He wanted it for them badly. And I think that's cool. And, and one thing I'll say that went right with Terry as well, it's there was a real threat that the two point percentage the year prior was an outlier. Mm -hmm. Did it again this year, which is awesome, right? Like that, that was a real scare. And he came back, hit his mid range quite a bit you know, had some nice moves inside the three-point line. So I, I was really happy to see that. And I don't Terry. think we saw the, like, second half of the year fade like we did last season. And I think credit to LaMelo, you know, for taking some more responsibility this season for the offense. So Terry probably had a little bit more, like, obviously disappointing performance in the play-in. But through the, you know, back half of the season, I thought it wasn't as big of a slide. I, we can't get out of this segment 
without talking about PJ Washington because a lot went right for him in a year where a lot. And it's changed. funny because that would be that's really polarizing for people, you know. Like I, well, you know me, I completely watch the agree games. with you. I mean, no, watch I'm the with games. You. I am he, wholeheartedly. He was he was better offensively in less minutes. He did eventually regain a starting role, but played a majority of this season on the bench after being uh, being a starter for a, a lot of uh, the previous season. But his points per shot attempt went way up. He was much better offensively, I thought. And But then, really, it's all about defense. In a year where a lot of people did not buy into defense, did not engage on that end of the floor, P.J. Washington consistently playing out of position, playing the small ball five, where he had to work a lot harder to guard guys like Giannis and, and Embiid. And he stepped up to the challenge and typically knocked it out of the park I mean I, I would honestly I, it would be tough for like I gotta go Miles Bridges too but I would say PJ strong three for me maybe even like right there 2A 2B yeah I, I gotta go with a pretty secure three even for my love of PJ that that's that's gonna be a hard player to see leave this organization if it happens and it's very real I, I'm gonna hate it <laughs> because are you gonna hate it Nick how much are you gonna hate it I mean, if you if you value what you're talking about, you definitely hate it because he was their closeout defender, really the only one they had this year. I mean, his work started on night one against DeMontis Sabonis, mm-hmm. guarding him and forcing him into a tough shot to seal that victory. And he did it several more times throughout the season. I remember him on Jokic at the end of that game. Yeah. In that game, he, he had the offense too. Uh, so he guarded he, Jimmy Butler. He he had a yeah. huge defensive Kyle Lowry, in a game they lost. Kyrie the Irving. Yeah. Like, like he's guarding point guards. Yeah. I think I'm talking you into it. I'm talking you into two B. <laughs> You're right. It's two. It's sold. Yeah. It's Washington. He, he's he's the second best positive. And the last thing on him, the, the biggest problem with him offensively last year was the fact that he could not finish inside. Just couldn't do it. It was a real problem trying to finish amongst the trees. And his efficiency overall goes up. Even if there's a little bit of a dip from shooting from three-point land, he shot over 60% inside the arc. He shot 48% the year prior. That's not good for a five. And the fact that it went up a whole more than 10 percentage points, that's the thing you love to see. His turnovers went significantly down and his assists stayed relatively the same. Like taking the right shots. Yeah, PJ improved, man. I, I team keep PJ and hopefully they can find a way to do it beyond the season because they don't have to extend him. You know, they can keep him, but I just don't know if they're going to try to trade him so they don't lose him for nothing. All right, let's talk about Rock Auto. And then I want to talk about Michael Jordan as, as it pertains. I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I promise. I was going to get to it at that point. It popped up late, but I'll still take responsibility. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. We got some breaking news for the Carolina Panthers right before we started recording this, which got me thinking, what is the comparison and ownership between the Panthers and the Hornets? Who's got the better owner? We talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Del Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number one, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. 
Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's funny oh. if... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I even see your face. <laughs> so evil. Why is it so uh, Yeah, evil? for the listeners, I, I... See, Walker cannot see what's in preview. He can only see what's in program, meaning what's right. about to go on the It's a dirty trick is what it is. Right, and so I just went ahead and had the NBA draft lottery simulator ready to go out of the break. I've got it. <laughs> I want to get through it quick because I know you want to talk about Tepper and Jordan and all of that great conversation uh, so let's go ahead and do this tankathon sim the lottery. Beep, boop, 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 beep. And the Hornets are oh, they're thirteenth and fifteenth again. Yeah, I they are it, who we they are who we thought they were. Yeah, I feel it. I think it's in the next couple of episodes. I swear we're going to win. I know it. I feel it in my heart. Uh, and so we can go to the mock draft just really quickly. 13, they still have Mark Williams. <laughs> we're going to have the same players. Duke. A Duke center. A Duke yes. center that uh, that I mean, look, four point three blocks per game. That's pretty yeah. insane. Mark is and good. I'm getting talked into the commenters. The YouTube commenters are talking me into the the player that they have ranked sixteenth here, Jeremy Sochan. Again, don't know if I'm saying his name right or wrong. I'm still I'm doing the research. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to it. Uh, but he's out of Baylor. Uh, just, we just long athletic defense. I just, I feel good. He was, about and he was fun to watch in that UNC game. Uh, yeah. You know, he was kind of like a, a villain in a good way, like a basketball villain. So he at some, some edge and some attitude. So good. That's what we I, need. I think That's that what would be good team for this needs. team. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I just think Doug, as you talk about <clears throat> needing to do more research, all you need to do is just more research on the 13th and 15th pick here every single time. Like as long as you have Williams mm-hmm. and Agbazi down, then you're going to be good. That's the only thing you need to know. So we can continue right. to talk about that. Right. Um, all right, let's talk <laughs> about the news that, yeah, please do. Let's talk about the news that just came out from the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers, they've told Rock Hill that they are ending their agreement to build their practice headquarters there. For those that don't know, David Tepper, York County, the city of Rock Hill, they came to an agreement that they were going to have their practice facilities there, which in turn, the city was also going to build a village, and it was supposed to be this boom for the economy. And in the agreement, Rock Hill was going to try to pay for a portion of it, and they didn't hold their end of the bargain. They tried to come up with a new funding approach, and then David Tepper just refused to speak to the city, like wouldn't put out a public statement for a long time, would not contact county or city officials, just you did not hear a peep, much like you don't hear from him on the Deshaun Watson front or the fact Mm. that the Carolina Panthers are a dumpster fire in some respects. Mm. You can't hear from him in any regard. Well, finally, the Panthers, they released a statement and they, in in the end, they just said they're ending their agreement and maybe there is a potential uh, shot of this happening again. Nick, I know you read it as well. Is that right? Like, well, they've formal, they're, they're formally terminating the agreement. So I I don't know where that goes from there. I mean, maybe there's some sort of emergency, you know, (laughs) emergency funding that the state can provide to, to Rock Hill and York County at this point, because this just seems dead in the water. And if you've driven by that place or seen the images, 
uh, it's it's not just a few uh, few nails in the ground. I mean, this <laughs> no. this thing is like that was a terrible construction reference, by the way. I don't know why you would put nails nails. In the ground, in, do you but... put nails in the ground? Like what? Are you... <laughs> well, look, you know, <laughs> strong you strong winds, strong winds that might yeah, blow yeah, over yeah. the practice yeah. facility. You need but to nail it to it, the ground. And, and David Tent, <laughs> David Tepper, those are stakes. <laughs> David Tepper has not said anything. Stakes are just big nails. Don't come on. Listen, don't come on here with your, you know, big news suit. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Please finish your thought. I apologize. David Tepper is now going scorched earth in the statement. uh, He said, or Tepper sports and entertainment technically says, let's see. It's unfortunate that some recently decided to conduct a misguided, destructive public relations campaign to obscure their failures. Talking about the city and the company that they're working with. And they're formally terminating these previous agreements. So this is so. Uh, I mean, bottom line, bottom line, it's a disaster. And a just, disaster. I'm not like a huge Carolina Panthers fan, but just from the outside, like Tepper and the Panthers have been in a lot more negative headlines than positive headlines. And on the other side, Michael Jordan, owner of the Charlotte Hornets, I feel like has been both from a just a, a PR perspective, but also from an organizational perspective, have been in a lot more positive headlines than negative headlines. And, and this is the thing, you know, to try to transition this because this is a Hornets podcast, right? Like it. In the city, there has been so much talk over the past decade of how truly awful an owner Michael Jordan is in a lot of different fronts. But I think a lot of that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of that has been really focused on the operation side of things, right? That Michael would meddle in basketball operations. He wanted to draft certain players over a rich Joe or over anybody, a part of that decision-making process. And that was more of the focus. I could talk about MJ all day long, trying to shorten this up. But my fascination with MJ is when we watch The Last Dance, you see all of the things about Michael not necessarily wanting to contribute to anything outside of basketball, right? He had the famous quote, Republicans buy shoes too, when he refused to endorse Harvey Gantt in the Senate race. And that was just a wrong decision for him. So Michael now has done so much for the community, opening Novant Health Clinics in poverty-stricken areas of the city, and he's crying during the openings of these because he Mm -hmm. genuinely cares. He donated $150 million over the course of a decade to charities that benefit African Americans here in the country and here in the city and wherever, and it is the largest donation to a do- it is the large donation made by any kind of business or any person to charities that benefit African-American funds. Like what Michael is doing is doing a complete 180 in what you thought of him based on his playing days to now. And here he is where I, I do feel like he's allowed Mitch Kupchak to take more control over personnel decisions. I'm not saying MJ is completely out of it. I'm saying that I think Mitch Kupchak does have a pretty decent amount of control, certainly way more than Rich Cho ever had. All of this to say, like, there is pretty clearly leaps and bounds a better owner here in the city with Michael Jordan, and it is a dumpster fire. Like, David Tepper is a – he is a real problem. Certified gamer for Terry Rozier, certified problem for David Tepper. Oh, and wow. the Charlotte Hornets, oh, it, it's huge. And I think Michael Jordan, man, like, I just – I've just really enjoyed watching what he's been able to accomplish over the last five years and kind of the transformation of one MJ. Yeah. I think the the Hornets are viewed by this city and the leaders of it in a very positive light. 
Uh, like you said, a lot of it is just basketball operations related. He has, they have shifted their draft philosophy. Sure. I'm not sure they've shifted. He's shifted his luxury tax philosophy just yet. We'll That's see right. if, if they get to that point where he always said, okay, then I'll go over it. We'll see. We'll see how he reacts to that moment. But you know, I, I credit Fred Whitfield and the people that help him run that organization with Absolutely. Uh, keeping it a, a, you know, contributing part of this city, a, a, you know, kind of cohesive and collaborative part of this city where you can't really say the same for David Tepper at this point. It's a total 180 flip from, I would say, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. It's no, it's insane to me um, how much it's flipped. In fact, when you talk to people now and someone says, you know, mentions like Michael Jordan being a bad owner or, or saying, you know, he's meddling. I feel like it's a great marker of someone who's not paying attention mm -hmm. to what's currently going on. And, and I couldn't have said that, you know, again, five, 10 years ago, they would have had, they, they would have had, a, even if they weren't even paying attention, they would have had somewhat of a point, but they don't have that point anymore. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a positive thing for the organization overall. Yeah, it, it is. And, and just to see, you know, how this has all come down for Carolina, like, and look, I, I'm not saying that York County didn't have any fault in this. You can't agree to it if you can't back it up. And they just couldn't come up with the bonds that was supposed to fund their part of that agreement. And, you know, I talked with Brandon Guffey, who is on the council over there for York County, and he was discussing, look, like, I understand Rock Hill was wrong for this. Now, the county also sent him out because he wasn't a part of the initial agreement, so he could easily dodge those types of critical questions right to his face. And, hey, you know, decent PR move. I'm not mad at it. But he was saying, look, I understand people's point of view that want to blame the county for agreeing to this. 100%, I get that. But now the citizens are going to struggle and be, and it's going to be a detriment to the citizens of this. Like whoever's right or wrong, let's try to figure out something. And at that time, it's an awful look for a $16.7 billion net worth dude, the richest owner in the NFL, to say, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm just not going to say anything. Like he could have come out with this public statement a month ago. Like could have, he could have just edited it there, but it takes him this long to put out whatever that was to try to blame the city. And, you know, like it's, it's just so different. Well, you know, just like, just like Nick said earlier, if you're going to put some nails in the ground, you got to go out and buy some socket <laughs> wrenches, you know, I mean, <laughs> tools. Yeah. You got to put it, put some screws in there too, you know, come on. Yeah. Why, why not? All right. That's maybe that bonus. maybe they were doing it wrong. Maybe that's why this whole thing fell apart. I think that's probably it. They were like David Tepper. Look at that point. I don't blame him. What? You're trying to nail this concrete <laughs> structure down with nails. Doesn't what make any sense. I don't even blame him. Um, that's Nick Carboni. Carpenter also works for WCNC joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Please follow him on Twitter at Nick Carboni WCNC covering everything, including the Charlotte Hornets here in the city of Charlotte. Nick, it's always fun, man. I want to put this it, picture up. I hope your camera doesn't work next time. So we yeah, I think we just again. ditch the camera and go with that photo. I agree. I'm glad you're on board. That's what we'll do. That's Nick Carboni joining us. Thanks for you as a thanks to you as well for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, listening to us, making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.